Well, happy Father's Day. I'm glad you are here. Uh, it's, uh, it's funny that I saw a church sign on the way to Texarkana that, was, that made me laugh a little bit because this is just how we operate. Uh, it, Mother's Day, it's always about mothers are amazing. And Father's Day is always, well, fathers could be better. Like, it's never, it's never like, uh, because, and this is why, because what the church sign said was, on Father's Day, don't forget about your heavenly father. See, we have, we have this, like, heavenly father concept that, that we have to compare ourselves to, and listen, mothers, y'all really don't have that sort of pressure. I'm just saying, we never come in on Mother's Day and say, you know, the heavenly mother really need, you need to compare, but we're compared to the heavenly father. I love Father's Day because I am one. Uh, and really what, it, what Father's Day is to me is that I get to celebrate that I'm a father. Like, uh, it's, just, it's, it's just been a blast. Um, it's, it's, Rachel said it on Mother's Day. Um, she's, we were, Sunday's a, a tough day for me to get up and just be like, I'm making breakfast for everybody. Uh, Sunday's a tough day for me to do that. And she said, don't, don't feel like you have to do anything special for me. Mother's Day, um, it's an odd holiday anyway, because I'm getting, just, I'm getting celebrated for one of the best things that's ever happened to me. Um, so it's, it, it is a tough job, um, but uh, we are just so thankful to be, just so thankful to be a dad that I, I don't know, I just, I get to be a dad, I don't need another tie. Um, I really, I really don't need another tie, especially since I started working here. Uh, I always get weird looks when I wear a tie, and everyone's like, what, what's happening? Are you leaving us? Uh, <laughs> we'll be in John chapter 14 today. I am not going to talk, go on and on about how great fathers are. Happy Father's Day. I hope that suffices. I'm going to talk about Jesus. Um, we have a, um, a wonderful, uh, as dads, we kind of get, we have this wonderful experience of we get to teach our kids things. Um, and I'm always nervous about that because I don't, especially now that I had a son. Um, like my daughters, I kind of got, like, I, I'm confident that Rachel can teach them how to be great women. And I, I'm just not like the manliest of men. Honest. I'm like a C minus. Uh, and, uh. I, I am, but I, you know, I'm, I'm a man, but I don't like know how to change my own oil. I'm sure I could figure it out. Um, and over the time, I've learned how to fix things. But one of the reasons I don't know how to fix things is because my dad can fix anything. And it was so much easier for him to just fix it than to have my bumbling hands in there fixing it. He would check my oil and change the oil and do all the things that needed to be done and then I would just and I it just got done and I had to start figuring that stuff out now what I did learn from my dad was how to be a good dad he kind of and how to love my wife like that's a big deal I think that's uh, as a dad that's your number one role number one priority is to teach your children how you love their mother and how you love them I think that's just the number one priority. I can do that, but with Nolan, I'm a little nervous. Like, I might can teach him some, like, some sports. I can, I can handle that. I can do some, some sports. Not a lot, but some. 
But then I'm kind of, the rest, I'm just sort of like, Lord, <laughs> do your best. Because kids are going to go to school and they're going to say, my dad can fix anything. And Nolan's going to say, my dad can dance. <laughs> Ray, I'm going to tell you. Rachel just looked at me and went, <laughs> no, you can't. He's not going to say that. I'm not going to say he's going to be right. I'm just saying that's the predominant thing we might do. Uh, so there, what you learn from somebody is actually really important in your relationship with them. How they teach you is very important. Some of the most influential people in your life are probably your teachers. You can probably think of um, several, so, several of your teachers that you remember and you think, that, that teacher changed me, or shaped me, or made me love this subject or that subject. That teacher, I had a teacher in, um, in college uh, who, who just made me love history. It was a history teacher named um, Kevin Klein. Not the actor, the history teacher. He was fantastic. Made me, made me really get the idea of, wow, the, the history matters and is fun. It's stories that happen, true stories. So your teachers, the way you have been taught, shapes who you are. And Jesus says something about what the Holy Spirit does that I think might connect us, make us feel more com comfortable having a relationship with the Holy Spirit than we might have been before. But let's get a running start and, and uh, into this conversation and see how it goes. In John 14... Verse 21, it says, whoever, Jesus is speaking here, and he says, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by the Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot. Do you know that's probably how he introduced himself to everyone for the rest of time? Are you one of the apostles? Yes, I'm Judas. Not Judas Iscariot. Oh, Okay. Man, got to make that distinction. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, not that guy, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Why not just make a big demonstration of it? Why don't, Jesus, why don't you just fly to the top of the temple and tell everyone about everything and make it clear? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them. And he, my father, or my father and I, we, will come to them and make our home with them. So first, last week we talked about how Jesus, Jesus is saying, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you're also receiving my presence. I am with you. I will not leave you as an orphan. You know the Spirit because you know me. And here he says, anyone who loves my, my father will love them. And we, my father and I, will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the helper or the advocate, or if you just want to go with the Greek word, because this Greek word's really big and it's hard to define, the paraclete. Um, really easy to remember. Paracletes, paraclete. Um, so the, 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 the advocate or the helper, the whole, here he names it, the Holy Spirit, 
whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. The Holy Spirit lives and dwells within us and one of its roles, other than just being present, is to be a teacher. Now let me clear that up. The Holy Spirit will not teach you anything that um, is against Scripture. The Holy Spirit will not come to you and tell you something different than what the Bible has told. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about how, how the t- Spirit teaches in just a second. But there was a, there was a movement, um, and I'm not going to name names, but there was a movement a, a, a while back where they started saying, well, we just get these prophecies. And whoever, someone will have a vision and they'll say, well, God told me this. And they would then add that to their sort of, their, their rule book, their system, the way they did things. And they were constantly changing how they did things because someone, come, someone would come in and say, God has told me that this and this. And they would say, okay, well, I guess we got to do this. After a while, it got so complicated, the head guy said, all right, no more of that. God has told me that no one else can have a prophecy. This has happened on a regular basis. There was a group of Anabaptists back in the, um, in the 1500s, 1600s that, w- that took over a town and murdered Germany. And um, the, the, guy, the lead guy would go in and he would, he would have a conference with God and he would come out and one of the times he came out and he stood on the stoop and he said, all right, uh, God told me that um, I get to marry all of your wives and y'all have to give them to me. And everyone said, oh, okay, yeah. You know, and they just handed over their wives. Well, God said it. So we've got to be careful sometimes when we talk about how the Holy Spirit has taught me or guided me or God has told me or God spoke to me because sometimes that's just indigestion. I mean it. Sometimes when you feel a stirring within you, that's just maybe you're tired. Or maybe you have a strong opinion and it's not necessarily true. So all things, all conversations, all spiritual debates or spiritual topics or teachings need to be checked by Scripture. Need to be checked by what we believe, or not what we believe, but what we are told in the Bible. So how does the Spirit then work in our lives to teach us is it just solely the Bible I would argue no Um, for example my basketball coach in high school was a believer in um, if what he called the extra pass If you play basketball with me now, you know that I don't make the extra pass a whole lot anymore. I just like to shoot. But the the idea is that um, two passes is better than one pass. 
That means if someone throws me the ball and I'm open, the guy next to me is more open because the defense is having to shift. And so he would always say, make the extra pass. Well, that lesson really doesn't come up a whole lot in my life anymore. But the idea of giving up maybe what I wanted and going for the, the betterment of the group does. So a lesson I learned, a practical lesson I learned in sports carries over to other aspects of life. Now, when my coach told me that, he never said, and here's how this is going to apply in life. There are some things in Scripture that don't necessarily, um, or some things in our lives that the Scripture doesn't necessarily straight on cover. What are you to do when someone pulls out in front of you? How are you supposed to act when the, the, when the referee doesn't make the call you want him to make? I think whenever Jesus talks about the, the Holy Spirit teaches us, and then he adds there at the end and reminds us about all the things he has said, I don't think it's new information I just think it's new ways to understand and apply old information. It's not a new teaching. It's a new way to understand and, well, really just a new way to apply old teaching. So I think when the Holy Spirit teaches us, what we're finding is that the Holy Spirit is wanting us to have uh, take the, the, the old text. Remember, the text was written 2,000 years ago, a little under 2,000 years ago. And what we find in the scriptures is them dealing with their particular problems in their particular situations. Even this gospel was written, it was written to a place with a problem, with a certain situation, into a certain context. Like I've said many times before, the Bible was not written to us. It was written for us. So it wasn't addressed to Benjamin, but I get to read it. The Holy Spirit isn't just in the Bible because the way the Bible came to us is an amazing process. The fact that, that we have all these jumbled texts of, of ancient Greek and we've put them together in groups of men. Groups of men came together and in wisdom had to figure out really what, what books were going to be in the Bible. There's a huge argument over Second Peter. There really was. Because it's believed Peter didn't write that. But they put it in because they were like, well, if he did... There was an argument over Jude and an argument over James. And there was an argument over... There were people who didn't think certain books... But all of a sudden, here you've got this nice leather-bound book. I just see some guy, some guy at the council. Oh, we need to have maps in the back. Okay, we get it, Ted. There's going to be maps. We're trying to decide whether Jude's going to be in. But just make sure there's maps. 
say Ted. His name was Ted. I don't know why. But there, 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 there's this huge process of getting it from its, its original, um, just these letters that Paul wrote to a bound book of letters, to what letters are going to be in the book, to a, 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 a Latin version of the book, to a German version of the book, to an English version of the book, to an English version of the book that you can understand, to an English version of the book that you can actually read in public. To an, it, it's just been this long process of you getting the Bible in your hand and guess what was working all along. We can't just trust that, these were, that, that, that men just somehow got it right. That the wisdom that the Holy Spirit brings isn't just, isn't just put in the Bible. The Bible itself is proof of that. Because if it's just in the Bible, well, those men wouldn't have had... We can't trust anything except the original text. And I've, I've got a Greek Bible sitting right there. And it's not the original text. The original text is a bunch of scattered papers that are, we don't even have, they're copies of copies of copies. We don't have the original letter Paul wrote. The fact that you hold a Bible, the Holy Spirit should get credit for that. God should be glorified for that. But just because when you have a thought about the Bible says that I should not lose my mind because this thing happened, because someone pulled out in front of me, because my waiter forgot my queso. Okay, you can lose your mind about that. That's a pretty big deal. I mean, seriously, just pour the cheese in the bowl and bring it to me and put it in my face. Um, no, no, but like over these, over these little tiny things that are, are worthless, like we get upset about that stuff when, when we are reminded that love conquers these little small scenarios and that love conquers big scenarios or how does... How should I, as a Christian, act in this thing that's going on in my life? How should I treat this person or that person or that person over there? What does the Bible say about that? What does Jesus have to say about that? I think, I think when we're asking those questions and relying on prayer and actual, actual study of our Bible... When we have those aha moments about, oh, that's, I should be doing this instead of that. Or I've been doing that, and that's good. It turns out that's what I should have been doing. Or that wasn't all that helpful, and now this is, don't take credit for that. Jesus says that the Holy Spirit's work is in teaching and reminding and the way that's phrased is it's, it, those two are working together. It's not two different things, it's two different, it's two different ways in which, it's a way in which one thing happens. He's not giving us new thoughts. If someone comes up and says, you know, the Lord told me that, and it's unbiblical, it wasn't the Lord that told it. The Lord told me that you should write me a $10,000 check. That ain't the Lord. That was his banker. Um, that, that's not new, new teachings are, that are, are unbiblical aren't the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit worked too hard 
to get us the Bible for us to just come up with some new nonsense. But whenever you can take this 2,000-year-old text and make it work in your life, what happens between text and brain and brain and world is Holy Spirit. That's teaching. That's reminding. And when, what I find, and this, is, this may be an overgeneralization, but people who don't, don't th- talk about the Holy Spirit um, don't think it has any influence in their lives. I consistently see those people having a hard time living Jesus outside of the walls. They, they might can get church right. They're the same people who know know who Bildad is, right? It's one of Job's friends in Job. They they know who Bildad is. They know they know how Hezekiah died. They know they know like information about the text, but it's not changing a lick in their life. It's not changing anything in the relationship. It's not influencing how how they're a father, how they're how they're a mother. It's not influencing how they raise their kids or how they operate at their job, that what influences us from Scripture, what moves us from Scripture is the Holy Spirit. And I think it's the Holy Spirit reminding us and teaching us. Something interesting happens in Acts 15. Okay, so what happens in Acts 15 is uh, there's a... Basically, a bunch of people that they weren't ready to join... The, the Jews weren't ready for the Gentiles to join the church, and so the, but the Gentiles joined the church anyway because God was ready for that to happen. And sometimes God does that to you. you I, we weren't ready to go there. Well, we went anyway. If you weren't in Bible class this morning, that happened then. That's an inside joke for Bible class people, and sorry. If you wondered why I'm sweating when I got up here, it's because of Bible class. It was fun, though. Um, but the, uh, now, now a lot of people are like, I wish I would have been here. I'm not doing it next week, so. Um, but there is a, um, oh man, where was I? Bible class. Job, build that, okay. Acts 15, so the Gentiles, thank you, slides. The, the, the Gentiles were joining the church and God was ready to, to, to ha- add them to the church, and the Jews were like, well, what are we going to do? They, we, we obey. The Jewish Christians still obeyed the law. They said, well, do we, need to, do we need to make them obey the law? Do they need to get circumcised? Do they need to get, um, is there, is, do they need to obey the feast? What about the Sabbath? How, what do we need to do? And so they had this council where a bunch of people get together and speak. Peter speaks, um, Paul and Barnabas speak, James gets up and speaks, James is kind of the final word on it, and then they write this letter to the Gentiles, to the Gentile churches in the Galatian provinces, and this is what the letter says. Then then the apostles and elders with the whole church decided to choose some of their own men and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They chose Judas, uh, called Barsabbas, also not Iscariot, and Silas, you know, he changed his name after later. Anyway, and Silas, men who were leaders among the believers, with them they sent the following letter. The apostles and elders, your brothers, to the Gentile believers in Antioch, Syria, and um, Cilicia. Greetings. 
We have heard that some went out from us without our authorization and disturbed you, troubling your minds by what they said. They were going out and saying, listen, if you want to follow Jesus, you've got to be circumcised. There's a surgery that's needed uh, to follow Jesus. So we all agreed and chose some men send, and, and send them to you from our dear friends, Barnabas, uh, with our dear friends Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we are sending Judas and Silas to confirm by word of mouth that what we are writing. It, notice what he says. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. You are to abstain from food, sacrifice to idols, from blood, uh, from meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. You will do well to avoid these things. Farewell. Wow. That was a concise reading of the Old Testament. Now, he begin, they begin it by saying, you, it, was, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us that this is what you should do. Now, notice Jesus never said, this was something they were kind of unprepared for. Jesus never said, um, you, you need to, uh, whenever Gentiles eventually join, here's, here's what you need to get them to do. So they had to lean on what they know from Jesus and apply it to this weird situation that they weren't expecting. And that Jesus didn't specifically give them any um, resources for or give them any direct uh, uh, commands. But they had to just take this idea, this attitude, this perception about how Jesus viewed the world, and they had to try to view it like that, and the guide along the way is the Spirit. See, sometimes we act like reading your Bible and praying and singing and and giving and taking communion are like these separate little acts that happen. We, have, we do this thing, and then we do this thing, and then we do this thing. But if you're reading your Bible without praying, stop. Don't do it anymore. You're just damaging yourself and feeling correct. We don't need more people who feel right about the things they already believe. We don't need that. But if you, when you read your Bible and pray and let the Holy Spirit guide you in this process and it lives it lives in your life it applies to your life that next step is not just your own brain but it's god working you will have thoughts and you will have um instincts eventually that will not be your own and you should not take credit for i've never heard the audible voice of god but I've thought things and reacted to things in ways that are better than the ways I react and, and smarter than things I think. Having an instinct that looks like Jesus' instinct can only be grown in the presence of the Spirit that teaches Having an instinct that looks like the instincts of Jesus can only be grown and only be matured through, through reading your Bible and praying in the presence of a spirit that teaches. It's the only way it happens. 
The Bible can be quite detrimental if you're just using it to judge others. If the Bible, if the Bible and prayer isn't aren't influencing and changing you, you need to let the Spirit get in there and work and teach you and remind you about the things Jesus taught and the things he was t- teaching to them at that moment was, if you obey my commandments, you love me. And his commandment in that particular instance was to love those around you. We need to be a sort of people who are not defined by what we do here on Sunday morning. That, that's easy. You just pick a church that you like and you go to the place and they do the things you like and they say the things you like and they believe the things you like and we all go around and we say, aren't we great? And we pat ourselves on the back and we go home. We go to lunch and we digest our food very well because we all feel great about ourselves. But that is nonsense whenever the, it, when the Holy Spirit is working. You start looking at yourself and you say, listen, I'm loved and I'm worth it, but I'm, I, God is with me because he has sent his spirit but I realize that I don't got it all together. And that I have some growing to do, and I need to be reminded, and I need to be taught. This isn't me telling you you need to be taught. I need to be taught. I need to be reminded on a regular basis. I can't remember to put the trash liner back in the trash can after I take the trash out. Been trying, I've been trying this for 10 years. Can't do it. Can't do it. Take the trash out. I, I give myself a little high five because I'm a man. Did it right. Walk back in the house. Finger guns to Rachel. Going about my business. Can't do it. She has to say, will you please put a liner in? Every time. Every, every time. The fact that she hasn't said, you need to put a liner in, and then shot me with a bow and arrow is amazing. Like, she hasn't, like, violently reacted to this. It says a lot about her. Can't remember to do it? What makes you think that you're going to be good at remembering to love people when they're hard to love? What makes you think that you're going to be good at remembering to sacrifice when you really want what you want? What makes you think you're going to be you're going to follow Jesus just instinctively? Just cuz the Bible told me to. I think Jesus loved us so much and the Father loves us so much that not only the Father loves us so much not only did he send his only son but he also sent the spirit to continue to remind us and teach us because he knows we need it, and our God loves us enough to give us what we need. So let it happen. That little instinct in you that says, oh, I should be doing this. Check it with Scripture, of course. Don't just listen to your gut. Don't just go on your instincts. I think there's more to this Christian life than just trying to figure it out on our own. And I think the fact that there's more 
makes us, um, should make us worship God, that we have a helper, that we have an advocate, that he has not left us alone. Most of scripture talks about the spirit in the plural. The indwell, like when the spirit indwells, it indwells a group. So the fruit of the spirit, what we find is like this church represents love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control really well. Some of you are more patient than others, and some of you are more self-controlled, and there's more self-control to help the, the patient ones be a little more self-controlled. And those who are filled with more joy help the ones who have trouble with joy feel more joy. We work together like that. The Spirit works with us. And so the Spirit is moving and teaching and guiding here. Right now. The Spirit is reminding here. It is helping here. Not just when I speak, but when we get up and we talk to each other about our problems. And your friend says that really wise thing. That you know, you love your friend and all, but they're not really prone to saying wise things. You think, wow, what the... Praise God for the help you receive from your church. From the reminding and the teaching that you receive from your church. Because the Holy Spirit's main vehicle of teaching and reminding, in my experience, has been people in my life teaching and reminding. So don't be afraid to listen. When you have that moment where you think, oh, I should have told... should have told them that. Tell them. Speak up. Because the Holy Spirit might be using you to teach me. And the Holy Spirit might be using me to teach you. But whatever is the case, we know we, the Holy Spirit is alive, the Holy Spirit is active, it is present, and it is ever teaching and it is ever reminded. If you've been reminded or taught or convicted that your life needs to be in the presence of Jesus, and you haven't been living that, you haven't been representing Jesus in your actions and your attitudes and your relationships, Maybe you made a commitment long ago and you said, I'm going to be with Jesus and that really hasn't changed you one bit. And you need the prayers and the help of the congregation. Or maybe this congregation thing is something you've never really thought about and you, you want to get with us and you want to let us, the rest of us know, hey, I'm here, help me. Maybe you've never been joined with Jesus and you need to be baptized into his death, burial, and resurrection. If that's you, and you've had that moment where you think, I'm, I need to go forward. If you have that moment, the next moment is going to be, no, I shouldn't. I can guarantee it. The next moment, the next thought will be, no, no, I shouldn't. I would argue that the first thought is God, and the second thought isn't. So the question is not, do I need to go forward? Maybe you've already answered that. 
question is, who are you going to listen to once you decide that you might need to? Now, it may not be come forward. It may be just grab your friend and say, I need to pray. I need to pray with a friend. I need to talk to somebody. I need someone to remind me that I'm loved. I need someone to teach me that I'm valuable. I need someone to, to, to help me forgive. I need somebody. I need, I need my church. That's what you're doing when you come forward is saying, I need my church. If you need it, of course we're here. Please come forward or do whatever you need to do. But please do it while we stand and sing. this subject or that subject. That teacher, I had a teacher in, um, in college uh, who, who just made me love history. It was a history teacher named um, Kevin Klein. Not the actor, the history teacher. He was fantastic. Made me, made me really get the idea of, wow, the, the history matters and is fun. It's stories that happen, true stories. So your teachers, the way you have been taught, shapes who you are. And Jesus says something about what the Holy Spirit does that I think might connect us, make us feel more com comfortable having a relationship with the Holy Spirit than we might have been before. But let's get a running start and, and uh, into this conversation and see how it goes. In John 14... Verse 21, it says, whoever, Jesus is speaking here, and he says, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by the Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot. You know that's probably how he introduced himself to everyone for the rest of time. Are you one of the apostles? Yes, I'm Judas. Not Judas Iscariot. Oh, okay. Man, got to make that distinction. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, not that guy, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Why not just make a big demonstration of it? Why don't, Jesus, why don't you just fly to the top of the temple and tell everyone about everything and make it clear? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them. And he, my father, or my father and I, we, will come to them and make our home with them. So 
So first, last week we talked about how Jesus, Jesus is saying, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you're also receiving my presence. I am with you. I will not leave you as an orphan. You know the Spirit because you know me. And here he says, anyone who loves my, my Father will love them, and we, my Father and I, will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the helper or the advocate, or if you just want to go with the Greek word, because this Greek word is really big and it's hard to define, the paraclete. Um, really easy to remember, paraclete, paraclete. Um, so the, 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 the advocate or the helper, the whole, here he names it, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. The Holy Spirit lives and dwells within us, and one of its roles, other than just being present, is to be a teacher. Now let me clear that up. The Holy Spirit will not teach you anything that um, is against Scripture. The Holy Spirit will not come to you and tell you something different than what the Bible has told. Um, And we'll we'll talk about how how the Spirit teaches in just a second. But there there was a movement... Um, and I'm not going to name names, but there was a movement a, uh, a while back where they started saying, well, we just get these prophecies. And whoever, someone will have a vision and they'll say, well, God told me this. And they would then add that to their sort of, their, their rule book, their system, the way they did things. And they were constantly changing how they did things because someone, come, someone would come in and say, God has told me that this and this. And they would say, okay, well, I guess we got to do this. After a while, it got so complicated, the head guy said, all right, no more of that. God has told me that no one else can have a prophecy. This has happened on a regular basis. There was a group of Anabaptists back in the, um, in the 1500s, 1600s that, w- that took over a town and murdered Germany. And um, the, the, guy, the lead guy would go in and he would, he would have a conference with God. And he would come out. And one of the times he came out and he stood on the stoop and he said, All right, uh, God told me that um, I get to marry all of your wives and y'all have to give them to me. And everyone said, oh, Okay, yeah. You know, and they just handed over their wives. Well, God said it. So we've got to be careful sometimes when we talk about how the Holy Spirit has taught me or guided me or God has told me or God spoke to me because sometimes that's just indigestion. I mean it. Sometimes when you feel a stirring within you, that's just maybe you're tired. Or maybe you have a strong opinion and it's not necessarily true. So all things, all conversations, all spiritual debates or spiritual topics or teachings 
need to be checked by Scripture. Need to be checked by what we believe, or what, not what we believe, but what we are told in the Bible. So how does the Spirit then work in our lives to teach us? Is it just solely the Bible? I would argue no. Um, for example, my basketball coach in high school was a believer in um, if what he called the extra pass. Um, if you play basketball with me now, you know that I don't make the extra pass a whole lot anymore. I just like to shoot. But the, the idea is that um, two passes is better than one pass. That means if someone throws me the ball and I'm open, the guy next to me is more open because the defense is having to shift. And so he would always say, make the extra pass. Well, that lesson really doesn't come up a whole lot in my life anymore. But the idea of giving up maybe what I wanted and going for the, the betterment of the group does. So a lesson I learned, a practical lesson I learned in sports carries over to other aspects of life. Now, when my coach told me that, he never said, and here's how this is going to apply in life. There are some things in Scripture that don't necessarily, um, or some things in our lives that the Scripture doesn't necessarily straight on cover. What are you to do when someone pulls out in front of you? How are you supposed to act when the, the, when the referee doesn't make the call you want him to make? I think what, whenever Jesus talks about the, the Holy Spirit teaches us, and then he adds there at the end and reminds us about all the things he has said, I don't think it's new information I just think it's new ways to understand and apply old information. It's not a new teaching. It's a new way to understand and, well, really just a new way to apply old teaching. So I think when the Holy Spirit teaches us, what we're finding is that the Holy Spirit is wanting us to have uh, take the, the, the old text. Remember, the text was written 2,000 years ago, a little under 2,000 years ago. And what we find in the scriptures is them dealing with their particular problems in their particular situations. Even this gospel was written, it was written to a place with a problem, with a certain situation, into a certain context. Like I've said many times before, the Bible was not written to us. It was written for us. So it wasn't addressed to Benjamin, but I get to read it. The Holy Spirit isn't just in the Bible because the way the Bible came to us is an amazing process. 
the fact that, that we have all these jumbled texts of, of ancient Greek, and we put them together in groups of men, groups of men came together, and in wisdom had to figure out really what, what books were going to be in the Bible. There's a huge argument over 2 Peter. There really was. Because it's believed Peter didn't write that. But they put it in because they were like, well, if he did. There was an argument over Jude and an argument over James. And there was an argument over, there were people who didn't think certain books. But all of a sudden, here you've got this nice leather-bound book. I just see some guy, some guy at the council. Oh, we need to have maps in the back. Okay, we get it, Ted. There's going to be maps. We're trying to decide whether Jude's going to be in. But just make sure there's maps. Okay, Ted. His name was Ted. I don't know why. But there, 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 there's this huge process of getting it from its, its original, um, just these letters that Paul wrote to a bound book of letters, to what letters are going to be in the book, to a, a, a Latin version of the book, to a German version of the book, to an English version of the book, to an English version of the book that you can understand, to an English version of the book that you can actually read in public. To an, it, It's just been this long process of you getting the Bible in your hand and guess what was working all along. We can't just trust that these were that, that, that men just somehow got it right. That the wisdom that the Holy Spirit brings isn't just isn't just put in the Bible. The Bible itself is proof of that. Because if it's just in the Bible, well, those men wouldn't have had. We can't trust anything except the original text. And I've I've got a Greek Bible sitting right there. And it's not the original text. The original text is a bunch of scattered papers that are, we don't even have, they're copies of copies of copies. We don't have the original letter Paul wrote. The fact that you hold a Bible, the Holy Spirit should get credit for that. God should be glorified for that. But just because when you have a thought about the Bible says that I should not lose my mind because this thing happened because someone pulled out in front of me or because my waiter forgot my queso okay you can lose your mind about that that's a pretty big deal I mean seriously just pour the cheese in the bowl and bring it to me and put it in my face um, no no but like over these over these little tiny things that are are worthless like, we get upset about that stuff when, when we are reminded that love conquers these little small scenarios and that love conquers big scenarios. Or how, does, how should I, as a Christian, act in this thing that's going on in my life? How should I treat this person or that person or that person over there? What does the Bible say about that? What does Jesus have to say about that? I think, I think when we're asking those questions, and relying on prayer and actual, actual study of our Bible, when we have those aha moments about, oh, that's, I should be doing this instead of that. Or I've been doing that, and that's good. It turns out that's what I should have been doing. 
or that wasn't all that helpful, and now this is... Don't take credit for that. Jesus says that the Holy Spirit's work is in teaching and reminding. And the, the way that's phrased is it's, it, those two are working together. It's not two different things, it's two different... It's two different ways in which... Uh, it's a way in which one thing happens. He's not given us new thoughts. When someone comes up and says, you know, the Lord told me that... And it's unbiblical. It wasn't the Lord that told it. The Lord told me that you should write me a $10,000 check. That ain't the Lord. That was his banker. Um, that... That's not new, new teachings are, that are, are unbiblical aren't the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit worked too hard to get us the Bible for us to just come up with some new nonsense. But whenever you can take this 2,000-year-old text and make it work in your life, there, what happens between text and brain and brain and world is Holy Spirit. That's teaching. That's reminding. And when, what I find, and this is this may be an overgeneralization, but people who don't don't th- talk about the Holy Spirit um, don't think it has any influence in their lives. I consistently see those people having a hard time living Jesus outside of the walls. They they might can get church right. They're the same people who know know who Bildad is, right? It's one of Job's friends in Job. They they know who Bildad is. They know they know how Hezekiah died. They know they know like information about the text, but it's not changing a lick in their life. It's not changing anything in the relationship. It's not influencing how how they're a father, how they're how they're a mother. It's not influencing how they raise their kids or how they operate at their job, that what influences us from Scripture, what moves us from Scripture is the Holy Spirit. And I think it's the Holy Spirit reminding us and teaching us. Something interesting happens in Acts 15. Okay, so what happens in Acts 15 is uh, there's a... Basically, a bunch of people that they weren't ready to join... The, the Jews weren't ready for the Gentiles to join the church, and so the, but the Gentiles joined the church anyway because God was ready for that to happen. And sometimes God does that to you. you I, we weren't ready to go there. Well, we went anyway. If you weren't in Bible class this morning, that happened then. That's an inside joke for Bible class people, and sorry. If you wondered why I'm sweating when I got up here, it's because of Bible class. It was fun, though. Um, but the, uh, now, now a lot of people are like, I wish I would have been here. I'm not doing it next week, so. Uh, but there is a, um, oh man, where was I? Bible class. Job, build that, okay. Acts 15, so the Gentiles, thank you, slides. The, the, the Gentiles were joining the church and God was ready to, to, to ha- add them to the church, and the Jews were like, well, what are we going to do? They, we, we obey. The Jewish Christians still obeyed the law. They said, well, do we need to, 
do we need to make them obey the law? Do they need to get circumcised? Do they need to get, um, is there, is, do they need to obey the feast? What about the Sabbath? How, what do we need to do? And so they had this council where a bunch of people get together and speak. Peter speaks, um, Paul and Barnabas speak, James gets up and speaks. James is kind of the final word on it. And then they write this letter to the Gentiles, to the Gentile churches in the Galatian provinces. And this is what the letter says. Uh, then the apostles and the elders with the whole church decided to choose some of their own men and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They chose Judas, uh, called Barsabbas, also not Iscariot, and Silas, you know, he changed his name after later. Anyway, and Silas, men who were leaders among the believers, with them they sent the following letter. The apostles and elders, your brothers, to the Gentile believers in Antioch, Syria, and um, Cilicia. Greetings. We have heard that some went out from us without our authorization and disturbed you, troubling your minds by what they said. They were going out and saying, listen, if you want to follow Jesus, you've got to be circumcised. There's a surgery that's needed uh, to follow Jesus. So we all agreed and chose some men send, and, and send them to you from our dear friends, Barnabas, uh, with our dear friends Barnabas and Paul. Men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we are sending Judas and Silas to confirm by word of mouth that what we are writing. It, notice what he says. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. You are to abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, uh, from meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. You will do well to avoid these things. Farewell. Wow. That was a concise reading of the Old Testament. Now, he begin, they begin it by saying, you, it, was, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us that this is what you should do. Now, notice Jesus never said, this was something they were kind of unprepared for. Jesus never said... Um, you, you need to, uh, whenever Gentiles eventually join, here's, here's what you need to get them to do. So they had to lean on what they know from Jesus and apply it to this weird situation that they weren't expecting. And that Jesus didn't specifically give them any um, resources for or give them any direct uh, uh, commands. But they had to just take this idea, this attitude, this perception about how Jesus viewed the world and they had to try to view it like that and the guide along the way is the Spirit. See, sometimes we act like reading your Bible and praying and singing and, and giving and taking communion are like these separate little acts that happen. We, have, we do this thing and then we do this thing and then we do this thing. But if you're reading your Bible without praying, stop. Don't do it anymore. You're just damaging yourself and feeling correct. We don't need more people who feel right about the things they already believe. We don't need that. But if you, when you read your Bible and pray and let the Holy Spirit guide you in this process and it lives, it lives in your life, it applies to your life, that next step is not just your own brain, but it's God working. 
you will have thoughts and you will have um, instincts eventually that will not be your own and you should not take credit for. I've never heard the audible voice of God. But I've thought things and reacted to things in ways that are better than the ways I react and, and smarter than things I think. Having an instinct that looks like Jesus' instinct can only be grown in the presence of the Spirit that teaches. Having an instinct that looks like the instincts of Jesus can only be grown and only be matured through, through reading your Bible and praying in the presence of a Spirit that teaches. It's the only way it happens. The Bible can be quite detrimental if you're just using it to judge others. If the Bible, if the Bible and prayer isn't aren't influencing and changing you, you need to let the Spirit get in there and work and teach you and remind you about the things Jesus taught and the things he was t teaching to them at that moment was, if you obey my commandments, you love me. And his commandment in that particular instance was to love those around you. We need to be a sort of people who are not defined by what we do here on Sunday morning. That, that's easy. You just pick a church that you like and you go to the place and they do the things you like and they say the things you like and they believe the things you like and we all go around and we say, aren't we great? And we pat ourselves on the back and we go home. We go to lunch and we digest our food very well because we all feel great about ourselves. But that is nonsense whenever the, it, when the Holy Spirit is working. You start looking at yourself and you say, listen, I am loved and I am worth it. But I am, I, God is with me because he has sent his spirit but I realize that I don't got it all together. And that I have some growing to do, and I need to be reminded, and I need to be taught. This isn't me telling you you need to be taught. I need to be taught. I need to be reminded on a regular basis. I can't remember to put the trash liner back in the trash can after I take the trash out. Been trying, I've been trying this for 10 years. Can't do it. Can't do it. Take the trash out. I, I give myself a little high five because I'm a man. Did it right. Walk back in the house. Finger guns to Rachel. Going about my business. Can't do it. She has to say, will you please put a liner in? Every time. Every, every time. The fact that she hasn't said, you need to put a liner in, and then shot me with a bow and arrow, is amazing. Like, she hasn't, like, violently reacted to this. It says a lot about her. Can't remember to do it? What makes you think that you're going to be good at remembering to love people when they're hard to love? What makes you think that you're going to be good at remembering to sacrifice when you really want what you want? 
What makes you think you're going to be you're going to follow Jesus just instinctively? Just cuz the Bible told me to. I think Jesus loved us so much and the Father loves us so much that not only the Father loves us so much not only did he send his only son but he also sent the spirit to continue to remind us and teach us because he knows we need it and our God loves us enough to give us what we need. So let it happen. That little instinct in you that says, oh, I should be doing this. Check it with scripture, of course. Don't just listen to your gut. Don't just go on your instincts. I think there's more to this Christian life than just trying to figure it out on our own. And I think the fact that there's more makes us, um, should make us worship God, that we have a helper, that we have an advocate, that he has not left us alone. Most of scripture talks about the spirit in the plural. The indwell, like when the spirit indwells, it indwells a group. So the fruit of the Spirit, what we find is like this church represents love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control really well. Some of you are more patient than others, and some of you are more self-controlled, and there's more self-control to help the, the patient ones be a little more self-controlled. And those who are filled with more joy help the ones who have trouble with joy feel more joy. We work together like that. The Spirit works with us. And so the Spirit is moving and teaching and guiding here. Right now. The Spirit is reminding here. It is helping here. Not just when I speak, but when we get up and we talk to each other about our problems. And your friend says that really wise thing. That you know, you love your friend and all, but they're not really prone to saying wise things. You think, wow, what is Praise God for the help you receive from your church. From the reminding and the teaching that you receive from your church. Because the Holy Spirit's main vehicle of teaching and reminding, in my experience, has been people in my life teaching and reminding. So don't be afraid to listen. When you have that moment where you think, oh, I should have told... should have told him that. Tell him. Speak up. Because the Holy Spirit might be using you to teach me. And the Holy Spirit might be using me to teach you. But whatever is the case, we know we, the Holy Spirit is alive. The Holy Spirit is active. It is present. And it is ever teaching and it is ever reminding. If you've been reminded or taught or convicted that your life needs to be in the presence of Jesus, and you haven't been living that, you haven't been representing Jesus in your actions and your attitudes and your relationships, Maybe you made a commitment long ago and you said, I'm going to be with Jesus and that really hasn't changed you one bit. 
And you needed the prayers and the help of the congregation. Or maybe this congregation thing is something you've never really thought about and you, you want to get with us and you want to let us, the rest of us know, hey, I'm here, help me. Maybe you've never been joined with Jesus and you need to be baptized into his death, burial, and resurrection. If that's you, and you've had that moment where you think, I'm, I need to go forward. If you have that moment, the next moment is going to be, no, I shouldn't. I can guarantee it. The next moment, the next thought will be, no, no, I shouldn't. I would argue that the first thought is God and the second thought isn't. The question is not, do I need to go forward? Maybe you've already answered that. The question is, who are you going to listen to once you decide that you might need to? Now, it may not be come forward. It may be just grab your friend and say, I need to pray. I need to pray with a friend. I need to talk to somebody. I need someone to remind me that I'm loved. I need someone to teach me that I'm valuable. I need someone to, to, to help me forgive. I need somebody. I need, I need my church. That's what you're doing when you come forward is saying, I need my church. If you need it, of course we're here. Please come forward or do whatever you need to do. But please do it while we stand and sing.